Reading in John 13:34-38. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered him, where am I going? You cannot follow me now, but you shall follow me afterward. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for your sake. Jesus answered him, will you lay down your life for my sake? Most assuredly, I say to you, the rooster shall not crow till you have denied me three times. Good morning. Go ahead and turn to uh, Luke chapter 7. That's where we'll be at. It's going to, I'm going to, we'll get to scripture here, but I want to use some other word pictures to get us there, but we'll get to that here in a second. But this weekend, remember as Dan mentioned already, but it's, uh, this is a, a big weekend for us. We've got the big youth rally coming up. And so there's a lot of ways to sign up in the back. If you can't find something or a place to fit and serve, talk with me, and, and we'll point you in the right direction so that we can uh, uh, have uh, a, lot of, a lot of help in a lot of different areas for the youth rally to be a success. But maybe most importantly, what's going to be essential for us this week is that we continue to, to pray and lift up this effort uh, uh, as God will continue to bless it as we go along. And so that's, that's the most important thing. Uh, making sure that, that we have God's blessing and, and invite him into all of our plans. Okay, I'm going to start off this morning with three different word pictures, uh, or visual pictures, maybe even as a more appropriate term, that help us understand God's people and God's kingdom. And I know that these have all been helpful for me to to help me understand what am I doing here and what am I all about? And then we're going to use these to, to talk about a, a specific subject. Now, first of all, a picture of God's people, and I talked about this here a while back, is a ship with sails and anchors. And we talked about how God's people are like a ship, is that we know that we're, we are called to cross over and to the destination on our way to heaven. And we don't always know exactly the path and what that's going to look like, but God's Spirit is pushing us along. That wind and the term, it's interesting, the term wind and spirit is the same in the language of Jesus' day. And so the, he continues to push us, and we see his, his effects in our lives in the transformation that we've, we've, we've been given when we follow God. He enables us to, to start to, to beat sin and to change and to look different. But as a church, I know that God is, is always wanting his church to grow and expand. That is the, the default function of God's church, and is that it continues to, to, for people to come in and, and for, for there to be great expansion into the world around us. And so our key is to figure out how, how do we make sure that we're out of God's way, and we take advantage of this opportunity that God continues to push us along. And so we can put up sails that help us get that, that strength and energy from God that help push us along, or we can have anchors that drag us along, and sometimes we're not aware of them, but those things that, that, are, that are preventing us from, uh, from being what God wants us to be and maybe uh, providing a, a whole lot of distraction and, um, and not allowing us to serve God as, as we want. And so that, think about that. Is, as a person and as a church, how do I make sure that I'm putting up sails and not just putting out anchors that, that uh, prevent God from working very well. Okay, picture number two 
is a picture of a contrast here. And sometimes a church can be or function as, as a country club, as a place where people come so that I can get my needs met. I can, oh, that was close. I better sit that down for a second. Okay, so I can come and I get my needs met. I can come, I can feel comfortable. I have people around that are, that are serving me and, and doing what I ask, and, and that's what, what things are supposed to be, and that's where I feel, um, I, I feel that I need to be. And sometimes you'll hear uh, we betray ourselves and just how we talk about church is I want to be in a place that's comfortable for me. Well, hopefully God's kingdom is, is never comfortable. We can be content, but if we're comfortable in this world, we end up um, missing out on, on a whole lot of what God has for us. On the other side of things, uh, what God has intended his church to be is a hospital for sinners. People come in from wherever, whatever the situation is. They come into who we are and into whether it be our meetings or our lives. And we provide a message that allows them to leave a lifestyle that's full of hurt and burden. And and come into the kingdom of God and to be healed spiritually. And so we think about that. There's two images there of, of what we can become. And, and I think with the, of being a hospital for sinners, or excuse me, of being a country club, a spiritual country club, I don't believe we do that on purpose, or churches do that on purpose, and set out from the, say, okay, we want to be exclusive, we want to just have a few people in here that are similar to us. But what happens is if we're not willing to step out of our comfort zones and, and deal with a mess sometimes, that's what we come, become by default. Here's another picture that's been helpful for me. Um, the idea of either a cruise ship or a battleship. Now, cruise ship. Now, how many of you have been on a cruise? Okay, you're not in trouble if you say you've been on a cruise. It's fine. Okay. Now, let me let me take a time out here. And okay, I have some very good friends that are part of country clubs and are very very generous and and all that. Okay, that's I, I'm I don't I'm not taking issue with cruises and country clubs here this morning. Okay, I'm just using this as an analogy to to be able to get this point across. Okay, um, so cruise ships. People, I know that if you went on a cruise ship. You went there to rest and relax and to get some rejuvenation, right? Okay. And there's sure times for that, and that's, that's healthy and that's good. But if we approach the people of God on a regular basis, continually as a cruise ship, as what do I get out of this deal? What, because I want, I want, I want. We're going to find ourselves in a situation that's not healthy. But if we approach the kingdom of God and God's people as a battleship, saying, where is my place to serve and how can I be part of the mission of God? then we see that God's people transform into something totally different. It's something very powerful and very beautiful. Okay, we're going to keep those three images in mind. And we're going to go to uh, Luke chapter 7. And before we read here, I want to ask the question, how do we welcome others into God's people or to become part of God's people? Or, or like when someone, uh, as, as in the last year and a half, there's you know, many of you, uh, weren't a part of the church here a year and a half ago and, and have become a part of the church. And there's, there's, Lord willing, we continue to do that, to continue to be a people of mission that brings people in from the community, wherever they may be, uh, whatever their situation may be, to come into the kingdom of God. And, and that's what, uh, what my hope and, and the elders, I know our dream and our, our hope is that many, many more people will become Christians in the next years. But how do we approach that? How, how do we think about that? Uh, there was something, actually, one of the young men at teen camp made a comment uh, that he had heard in a sermon. And so I spent some time this week uh, researching it because it stuck in my head. 
And it was one of those that I had to flesh out a little bit. But it was one of those things that, that really helped me frame some things in my own head. And so uh, about a week and a half ago, I thought, man, I've got to share this with the church because this is helpful to, to be able to see this contrast. Okay, we're going to start, though, going back to Luke chapter 7, verse 36. Now, we know the story of Jesus, but Jesus is one that really turned the world upside down. Uh, he approached things in a way that the religious leaders especially did not expect. Nobody expected because tradition had become more important than being spirit-led or being, being uh, uh, one who was, who was uh, looking like God. Justice, mercy, graciousness, all of that had been neglected. And we see something in the life of Jesus here in chapter 7, verse 36, that's pretty powerful. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, so she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. Okay, now that would be pretty strange if someone did that for us today. Hey, that's, that's not something that... Um, if someone tried to do that to me, it would creep me out. <laughs> you know, I'd try to get out of the situation as fast as possible. Okay, what's happening here is the servants were people who would come. They would uh, wipe people's feet off. They would clean them. And so she is performing the role of a servant, but she's doing it, she, in essence, she's doing this with heart. She's not just taking water and cleaning Jesus' feet, but she's doing so with her tears, with perfume, and with her hair because she is so moved by the teachings, apparently, of Jesus that she has heard. Verse 39, when the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, they said to him, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Man, this, this, lady's, this lady is not who Jesus thinks she is. And this, oh man, I, boy, I wouldn't want this lady touching me. Who knows what, what's going on there? Verse 40, Jesus asked him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back. So he forgave the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. And Jesus said to her, Your sins are forgiven. And the other guests began to say to themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. And I read that story, and there's a whole lot of things that impact me. But the thing that maybe impacts me most is, What was it about Jesus that caused this woman to come in out of the blue into a circumstance that she was pretty sure that she would have been ridiculed? And... To, to reach out and to bless Jesus as she did. Um, that's something that makes me think. Am I one that is going to uh, demonstrate the type of life that is going to draw people to say, I, I want to know what this is about. I want to know what you're about. You think about Jesus as Jesus one, is one who loved very deeply the people around him. And you see this in his healings over and over and over again, is that Jesus healed people, 
And they came to faith because of that, because they saw the great blessings that, that Jesus was bringing to the table. Let's go ahead and turn to Acts chapter uh, 4. And as Jesus' people uh, continue on, Acts chapter 4, we see that they take the teachings of Jesus to heart, just like uh, Trey read here just a minute ago. Jesus tells his disciples in, in John chapter 13, A new commandment I give you, love one another. The world will know you by your love. That's what you're going to be known for, is that you love each other. Just like the songs we, we sang here a minute ago, God is love. We, we heard this over and over again. But look at Acts chapter 4, verse 32. And we've read this a few times here last year. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's grace was so powerfully at work in all of them that there was no needy person among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. So can you imagine being on the outside, watching a group like this? You have grown up through your life is that your family, you tend to take care of each other, but it's your family and, and everybody else is out there somewhere. But you see this group as you are wandering around Jerusalem and you hear about it. And you hear these people that some of them are even selling property because there's people among them that just don't have enough to take care of themselves. And you start watching and you realize, man, I'm not sure I want to join that group. I'm not sure that I want to be a part of it. But one thing I do know is that those people love each other. Because they reach out and they take care of each other and they demonstrate that over and over again in the way that they are. And it's powerful. And it says that day by day, people were added to their number because they came because they saw something that was wonderful, something that was different that they didn't see other places. Hey, let's fast forward to, uh, to chapter 5, verse 12. We see this again here. The apostles performed many signs and wonders among the people. And all the believers used to meet in Solomon's colonnade. No one else dared join them, even though they were highly regarded by the people. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. And you see people coming to be healed in the next verses. But people saw something that was different among these people that caused them to be able to, that caused them to want to come. Let's go to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 8. Romans 5, 6 through 8. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And so before we had done anything good, anything right, Jesus took the initiative. God took the initiative, died for our sins, and with the hope that we would change and we would transform and that we would become like him. You see the order there? Okay, so let's talk about, there's some phrases here that, um, that if you, you Google this and you look it up, you'll find tons of articles about this. And I'm going to modify it from, from what I read, but, but it's a good illustration of a way to look at, at how, God, uh, how we approach people and, and how God does. Now there is, uh, when we come to welcoming other people into God's kingdom, uh, one of the critiques uh, that you'll find if you Google any of this information out there is that, that sometimes churches 
have a tendency to say to approach things like this. All right, we want all people to come into God's kingdom, and we we have that that great language. You know, it's it's easy to to speak a, a good game. Uh, I don't know that I've ever been a part of any church anywhere or ever heard of a church that said, we have no intention whatsoever of fulfilling the Great Commission, and our intention is to stay the same size that we are right now. I've never heard anybody do that. Nobody does that. But sometimes we can, just by the way we are, create um, anchors that, that make it difficult for, uh, for people to, to come in among us. Now, I'm, now, let me take another time out here. I'm not saying here this because I've seen anything that, that causes me to think, man, there's huge problems, nothing like that. This is just uh, a way of looking at this that really helped convict me, and I, 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 I figured it would for, for all of us as well. Is it sometimes, okay, coming back to this, time in, is that sometimes we as churches have a tendency to say, all right, we would love for people to come into God's kingdom, but boy, sometimes people come in that they have problems, they have baggage, they have all these different things, and so I'm not sure that I can handle that right now. Therefore, it's really nice if they come in already ready to behave. Okay? And so if people can come already ready to behave, already have some stuff together, and if you don't have your stuff together, come back when you do, all right? We'll talk then, and we'll deal with things then. And then what we want you to do at that point in time is, is once things aren't so difficult, then we want you to believe and, and have this great belief that we have in God and be excited about the message of God. And then once you believe, you can be a part of us and you can come in among us. Okay? There's a whole lot of problem with that because it doesn't demonstrate what Jesus did. Okay? Now I'm going to define some of this belong here in just a minute. But... If we're comfortable in this world, then it's really hard for any of us to give uh, to, to anyone who, is, who, who has got baggage in life. And we become oblivious to our own baggage is what happens. But we see something different. Let's reorder these a bit. But what if we as a church look at the example of Jesus and say, man, I know that people need to come to God, whatever their situation is, whatever their, their place in life is at this point in time, no matter what it is, we want people to come in among us, whether it be with our life groups, our assemblies, the, the Wednesday night Bible, uh, family Bible discussion time that we have, which has been tremendous, by the way, in the last while, just the number of people and the great discussions that I've, I've heard from people. Um, but we want people to come in among us and and see the love of God so that they feel a sense of belonging immediately. Okay, now let me take a time out here for just a second. What I'm not doing, because in, like, just like any other analogy that, that, we, um, that we create, there is aspects of it that will fall short. Okay? What I'm not saying this morning is that people come in among us and they belong and they're, they're part of the kingdom of God before they believe. That's not the case, okay? Just simply that when people come in among us, uh, or, or our neighbors or whatever, hopefully we project a sense of belonging, That just like the early church did, that you see these people that are coming from all sorts of different walks of life, and they look at the church and say, wow, that's the type of people that I want to belong to. That's something that I want to be a part of, and so I'm going to walk in here because these people are different than the people that I've seen anywhere else. And we welcome people to belong among us. And then as they walk along among us, they hear the message of God, they see the example of God, and hopefully the example that we're setting forth, examples that is, that is different than the rest of the world again. 
And when people come to believe in God, they submit their lives to God, then they're given the Holy Spirit, and then they have the strength and courage to be able to change, to be able to behave. Do you see the difference there? And that, seeing that, that laid out and, and hearing that from one of the teenagers, thought, huh, I'm going to think about that a little bit. I'm going to wrestle through that. Is what it does is it puts us in a place where we see the mission of God uh, as, as something, as, as a mission. Is we're part of this battleship, that all of us have some mission that God has given us uh, among uh, the community here and, and among the wherever we may go, is that God has a plan for me uh, and he wants me to be uh, working in his mission, uh, wherever that may be. And we become a hospital where people can come in and receive spiritual healing. And it means that we're willing to put up sails to be able to catch the, the wind that God is providing to be able to push us forward. And so as I, I pondered this quite a bit this last week, spent some time praying, and just for myself, okay, um, I want to make sure that I'm one who, in the way that I approach other people, is I want them to have a sense of belonging and a sense of, of excitement about whatever, uh, whatever I speak about with the church and whatever is uh, any interaction I have with them. Um, and then, Lord willing, as time goes on, they come to believe because of the example and the things that I speak about, and then they change their lives and they transform to behave and to become more and more what God wants them to be. I hope I'm never one that is, uh, that is wanting people, that does not want to touch or deal with people until they behave and then maybe they'll believe and then they can belong after they've, they've, they've got all the rest of the, the check marks down. Do you see the difference in this perspective? So as I pondered it this last week, uh, I just did personal reflection thinking about how I can make sure that I'm one that is, that is leading people to belong, believe, uh, and then and then behave uh, in that order. Um, and so let's think about this just from a practical standpoint. Um, and I, I saw um, this happen a while back, and it was not here. It was at another place that I, I was visiting. But a young man came in who hadn't uh, been there for a while, and and he and I were talking, and, and I, because I had known him from years before and hadn't seen him for a long time, and he was there. And three or four times in a few minutes, people from the church came up and said, Are my eyes deceiving me? What are you doing here? And I thought, oh, that, okay, there's a lot of things to say, but that is not the right thing to say. <laughs> that did not go well. Uh, and I know what they're trying to do is they're trying to be light and trying to joke and trying to, to be welcoming, but it did not work the way it was approached that way. And so just from a practical standpoint, what I found is, is people that um, maybe if, if someone's had a lot of heartache and, and has not um, and has wrestled spiritually or someone's never been here before, the, one of the best things we can say is, it's great to see you today. Very simple, and it's just a way of, of bringing people in to understand that wherever they've been, whatever the situation may be, we're glad they're here now, and we're glad that... that uh, um, that there's, there's all sorts of other things that, as we know in this valley very well, that we could be doing on, on, a, on the Lord's Day. But they've made the decision to be here, to be a part of God's people. We do um, a teen camp here a couple weeks ago. We do scenario-based learning where we act some things out and have the kids participate in it. 
Because the law enforcement community, military community, medical community has often used scenarios in order to walk through and learn how to do uh, different things in life. And so we do that spiritually at teen camp when we walk the teens through how to share their faith and some different things like that and to practice those things. And, and I remember uh, we did one scenario that was very much this type of situation. Someone walks into the community of God and, um, and someone says, boy, you haven't been here for a while. Um, the lightning must have, uh, you know, see, there isn't lightning hitting here. You, sh- you should be okay today. And, and you think, oh, don't say that. <laughs> don't say that. Because we don't know what type of burdens people are carrying. They just say, it's really good to see you and glad you were here. Giving a sense of belonging so that they can believe the message of God or be reconvicted by the message of God and behavior changes after that. One great example that I saw of this uh, in Great Falls during the time here. How many of you know Joe and Paige Jetty? Okay. Paige's maiden name is Lutzen. I guess you guys know that too because they, uh, they weren't married the whole time that they've been here. But Paige's parents uh, had a neighbor, a really kind of interesting story, that was, uh, that was part of the church. Paige's parents were not on board spiritually at all. And this couple would go across the street and try to invite them to come to worship and do things like that. And, and Stacy had a name for them that wasn't very nice, basically Bible thumper type. You know, those, those crazy people across the street that keep trying to get us to the church building. Why on earth would we do something like that? And, and she was, they were really negative about it. Well, St- Paige's father, Mike, had an accident, a very bad car accident. He should have passed away. By the grace of God, he didn't. And he was laid up in the house, families in turmoil, families in a tough spot. Well, guess who showed up during that time? The people across the street saying, how can we help? Can we bring you food? Can we bring you a meal? Can we do something to be a blessing right now? And when people are in a state of hurt, they respond differently than when we're strong, when we feel like everything's going well for us. And they started listening a little bit. And I remember at one point in time, Mike and Stacy showing up, and the girls were, Paige was eight or nine at the time. They were pretty small, all the girls were. And they showed up and, and started participating and started asking questions. And Mike and Stacy and, and the girls eventually, all of them came to faith and all of them became Christian because the family across the street showed them that they belonged, that they were loved, that they really had a place in God's kingdom. They just didn't know it yet but showed them this love and graciousness. And because of that, they came to a place where they started to believe, and then they started to behave, and their lives were changed afterwards. And so for all of us, that's something that we can do, is look for the hurts, not only among us, but among the people across the street from us, the people that we may work with. Uh, When we see someone, or we hear about someone being in a place of hurt, it's amazing how many people in the world will just think, oh, man, I'm just not going to say anything about that. I don't know what to do about that, and so I'm just going to run. Whereas if we will say something just very simply like, "Um, I'm praying for you if I can ever be a blessing, let me know, and do small things to show that they matter, that we love them, that we care for them. What happens is those type of people, oftentimes people that can be hardened atheists or look at the world and not see God anywhere, all of a sudden they start seeing God. They start seeing God in us. They start seeing God in us because we're sharing something that is, that is meeting a need with the people around us. And uh, that has really convicted me this week to make sure that I am looking around in my neighborhood 
looking around anywhere that I, I go to the store or I walk and make sure that I don't take a vacation from the mission of God wherever I'm at and look for opportunities where God may use me. And I, I pray as, I know is that as we do that as a church, day in, day out, fulfill that mission of God by looking to help people understand that they belong with the kingdom of God, that they come to belief and they start to behave after that start to, to be changed and to transform the kingdom of God. That's how the kingdom of God continues to expand and, uh, and go out into our world and make a difference. If you'd like to become a Christian, you're welcome to come forward today. If you'd like prayers, you can come forward, or there's elders that are waiting in the back to pray with you as well. You're welcome. Let's stand and sing together.